Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today, guys. Really glad to see you. Hey, um, we had a really fun time at the car wash outreach yesterday. And uh, it was really impactful. I uh, got to tell a lot of people about Jesus. It was really, really good. Um, and uh, I think in even today's message, so we made, a, I think, a movement into the darkness, which we were singing about today. And uh, I also think that this message is something that uh, the enemy doesn't really appreciate because we're going to be talking about lies of the enemies today, lies of the enemy. So I'm going to ask Hope to come up here because we've had a few technical snafus today that we don't normally have. And sometimes we just wonder if the enemy is trying to mess with us. So I'm going to ask Hope. She's on our prayer team, one of our leaders, and she's going to just pray some warfare prayers. So if you guys would just agree with her as she prays, I would really appreciate that. Lord, we just praise you. And we welcome you in this place, Holy Spirit. We ask you to take complete control over every aspect of this service. And we come against you in the demonic realm, against the demons and the devils of Satan. And we tell you to go in the name of Jesus. You have no authority here. You have no right here. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's light and there no darkness can reside. And we just claim, we claim freedom. We claim light. We claim truth. And we tell all darkness, go in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just welcome you here, Holy Spirit. We ask you to open ears to hear, hearts to receive, and may your truth be known and all falsehood go in Jesus' name. We praise you, Lord. In your name we pray. And Lord, I ask for your presence to rest heavy on Clint as he speaks your words. Fill your mouth, Lord God, with your word, his mouth with your words, and may he speak truth and not hold anything back that's not of you. We claim there will be no distractions and there'll be nothing coming in that tries to prevent this message in the name of Jesus. Lord, take it out over the airwaves. Take it out over the airwaves, Lord, and your truth be known and you be glorified in Jesus' name. Thanks, Hope. By the way, she's on our website. You can just look her up and say, hey, I need a prayer. Just go. 1-800-HOPE. So, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. That's good. You guys glad to be here today? I think we have a message that uh, is timely. Uh, it's one that I think we just, we need to hear. We need to be reminded of that. Many times uh, the messages that we give are reminders and uh, they're opportunities for the Holy Spirit to speak new things into our hearts. And so my hope is that that's what happens today. But I'm going to start out by asking a silly question. How many of you like fast food? Let's just see a show of hands, fast food. Okay, so this, this service as well is going to live a short life. So um, a, lot, a lot of us like fast food. I actually used to love fast food. And then there came a season where uh, I just didn't feel good after eating it. And so I, I tend to not like fast food as much anymore. Um, but when I'm like really hungry and there is a commercial on for fast food, my mouth starts to water. I look at it and go, oh man, I just really want 
Taco Bell. Right now, you know, yo quiero Taco Bell. Right, you just want to have some fast food and you'll drive clear across town to get it. But when you get there, sometimes you might be disappointed because what you get might not look exactly like the commercial, right? So I found this article, had a few images. They did some research on what the commercial looks like versus what you really get. So this first one is McDonald's. That's what the Big Mac is supposed to look like. And this is more like what it actually looks like. And in the small print, it says, this is the most attractive angle. You ever had that happen? You seen that? Or maybe you're just so hungry, you don't actually look at it. You just start eating it as it, as it comes unwrapped. Or here's another one from Burger King. That's what the Whopper's supposed to look like. That's more often what you get is there on the right. And I thought, you know, that's, that's actually true, isn't it? I mean, it... That's what I think I'm getting, but that's not what I end up getting. And then let's not leave out Taco Bell, one of my favorites, right? That's what the crunchy taco is supposed to look like. That's more like what you get, isn't it? You know, the shell, and you can even see the shell's broken already, you know? So <laughs> you pick it up and you're just trying to, ah, you know, just shove it in somehow because it doesn't look like that. So, Here's a question, what's the difference? Why does one look so good and one look so bad? Uh, they actually did some research and said that they're actually injecting them and stuff like that. But I would say that the main difference is the chef, the person who is putting the food together. Now, you might not think of a 13-year-old, you know, putting the Taco Bell together as a chef, but they are, right? So the chef is the person who is putting the food together and presenting it to us. And the chef makes all the difference. Uh, in our household, uh, my wife can really cook well. And so there are those times when the kids were growing up and it was my turn to cook or Rose was out of town and we had the same ingredients, right? The same opportunity, even the same recipes. But the kids would just say, it doesn't taste quite the same as mom's. I think they're just prejudiced against me, but... I would have to agree. I would have to agree that uh, my wife cooks much better than I do. The food that she produces is so much better than mine. The chef makes all the difference in how food tastes. I would also submit to you that sometimes the chef uh, makes all the difference as to whether or not the food is safe, right? Whether it's safe to eat. I, I remembered a time when I went on a mission trip to Haiti. And uh, it was 2010, and we were in this great big church building. It was more like a coliseum, and it had multiple levels to it. And one of the early days, I, I remember exploring the church, and I walked down into the lower regions where the kitchen was at, and it felt like I was in the catacombs. It was dark, it was dingy, it was smoky, and I stepped on something, and I, and I looked back, looked down, and it was a cutting board with chicken on it, and they were cutting up the chicken on the floor, and I stepped on it, and I don't think they cleaned it up. I think they just kept going. And later on that week, uh, our team just started to drop like flies. I mean, they were getting sick, and the, the busiest place was right outside of the bathroom. I mean, that's just people waiting. Our team was waiting. And I stayed healthy through the whole trip except for the last day. Last day, I woke up and something just didn't feel right, you know, and uh, we were supposed to do this big celebration at the school we were working at, and I went down, and they had breakfast, and I looked at the 
the breakfast, and I'm like, I'm, I'm out. I can't do this. I said, you all have a good day. And I went upstairs and just laid on the bed all day. Now, compared to that many times I've been to South Sudan, and uh, we had a cook there named Esther who presented our food, uh, prepared our food for us, and none of us ever got sick. And I would just tell you, what's the difference? It's, it's the chef. It's the person who's preparing the food. That makes all the difference to us. Now, we know that about physical food. We understand that. But let's apply this concept to our spiritual lives. Do you guys realize that we do have spiritual food out there? You know, we take in spiritual food and it nourishes our soul. We also have spiritual chefs as well. Ephesians 4.11 says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Apostles and prophets and teachers, these are some of our spiritual chefs. And what they do is they give us spiritual meals for us to consume to hopefully build up our souls. Now today, what's really interesting is that you don't have to be in the presence of one of these spiritual chefs to take in a meal, right? I mean, because we can watch and listen to YouTube uh, teachings from all around the world. We can listen to podcasts, uh, producers as they do interviews and talk about dozens, if not hundreds of dozens, hundreds of dozens. What is that? I've never said hundreds of dozens before. Thousands and thousands of different topics, spiritual topics that are out there. And then we have musicians who are writing songs and uh, based off the of scripture, and we, we listen to these songs and we listen to them over and over and over again. And we even today, we have a lot of modern-day prophets who are telling us what they believe God is telling them of what's going to happen in the future. But just like food chefs um, are all the same, spiritual chefs are not all the same. Let me just submit that to you. Some will give you good spiritual food that will nourish your soul but others will give you tainted theology that will make you spiritually sick. And so with so much access to online spiritual menus, it is important for us to make sure that we're eating good, healthy, spiritual meals. And today we're going to be studying this. We're going to be talking about how we can know the difference between a good, healthy spiritual meal and one that's not so good for our souls. So we're in a sermon series this summer. I think next week will be the last week for the series um, called Counterculture, the sermon that changed everything. And we're studying Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon series, Jesus is really preaching a lot of countercultural ideas and uh, today, even in our topic today, um, this is counterculture. Because during that time, it was widely expected that you would simply receive the spiritual meals that were given to you. And Jesus is saying, not all spiritual meals are the same. And that you should be cautious as to what you're taking in and reject other spiritual meals. 
And that was very counterculture to their teaching. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. You can turn there in your Bibles, starting with verse 15. And I forgot my glasses today, so I'll do my best to catch every word. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So today's message is titled, Careful Consumption, Critically Choosing Our Spiritual Chefs. Because I believe that it's really important for us to know which spiritual meals to take in because it's not just about the local church you're part of anymore. There is influences, spiritual influences, spiritual meals that we can partake upon all around the world 24 hours a day. And so we need to know how to choose what we're going to take in. Okay, so I'm going to give us a couple of ways that we can eat good spiritual meals, but first let me pray. So God, I thank you for times of worship like we had this morning, Lord, uh, where we can just declare that the enemy is defeated. And Lord, I'm thankful for Hope, who uh, is a prayer warrior and can stand up here and just kick the teeth in of the devil. And we just appreciate, God, um, the power that you've given us. So right now, again, we just declare that to the enemy that you will not deceive us today. And we pray that truth would be spoken, truth would be received. Lord, speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. A couple of points. We can avoid consuming poor spiritual meals by poor spiritual chefs. First of all, by expecting them expecting them, expect that they exist. Matthew 7, 15 says, watch out for false prophets. So Jesus is saying right up front, there are false prophets that we need to be watching out for. It reminded me of when I went to buy my first car from a dealership. I'd never bought a car from a dealership. I'd only bought them from individuals. But it was time for me to get a a newer car And so I went to a dealership. I found this shiny uh, 1986 uh, Chevrolet Escort, Ford Escort, I'm sorry, Ford Escort. Here's a picture of one. Uh, Isn't that a nice-looking car? (laughs) It was black. It was black. It had like a red pinstripe. Looked just like that. It was sharp. And uh, I saw this car in the lot, and I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's a nice car. Anything wrong with it? No, it's a great car. You can have it, you know? And I'm like, well, how much is it? Well, it's 1,000 payments of this, you know, so much. But they, you know, they told me how many payments and I could afford the payments. And I'm like, I'm going to buy this car. And so I drove it home. I think I drove it home in the spring um, because about summertime, I turn on the air conditioning and, uh, you know, push the button and uh, no cool air came out. I'm like, man, what's wrong with this car? So I popped the hood for the first time and uh, looked underneath the hood and there was no air conditioning compressor. Like it was just missing. 
There was no compressor there. And, uh, and I'm like, that's strange. What's wrong with this car? And, and I also, when I realized that when I would drive it, like on a highway, get up to 60, 65, something like that, the whole car would just shake. And so I took it into someone to have it aligned. And they're like, well, we can't align it. This car has been in an accident. And uh, um, the frame's bent. And that's why the air compressor, the air conditioning compressor was gone. There were parts just missing from this when this had been in an accident and they never replaced it. And so as I, as I looked more into this vehicle, I just realized there are all kinds of things wrong with it. Um, when I finally got rid of it, uh, you know, there were like over 20 things. I remember mentally going through this list of all these things that bothered me and bugged me that didn't work with this car. And I had spent at least twice what this car should have been sold for. Now, why is that? I was taken by this used car salesman because I just expected used car salesmen to tell me the truth. Right? I mean, <laughs> I just... I just believe that if you looked someone in the face and they said there's nothing wrong with it, that they actually meant that there was nothing wrong with it. Um, by the way, I've never bought a used car from a used car salesman since that day. But my, my fault in the midst of this was that I didn't expect it. I, mean, I just didn't expect that someone would lie to me. I, ex I expected that they would look out for my own self-interest. And you know, when it comes to church-related things, like spiritual teachers, man, we can expect that they're all going to just tell us the truth, right? That they're going to tell us what Scripture really means. Um, when I first moved down to Mishawaka, I was trying to find a church, and I went to this one church, um, and I remember the, the, the teacher was teaching something I'd never heard before. Uh, he was teaching, he was showing through scripture how Jesus and the disciples were actually rich. And, um, and his intention is for all of us to be rich. And I remember at the time thinking, boy, I've never heard that before. It must be because I'm just from a small town in Michigan and I just have small town thinking and this is big city thinking. So I need to I need to take this in. I'm taking all kinds of notes. I'm going, man, I want to be rich. You know, I mean, I want God to bless me all the time. And I'm adding all of this to my, to my theology. And then about six months later, some of the things just didn't start, you know, they weren't adding up. And I had some conversations and I, and I realized that what was being preached is something that's called the prosperity gospel, which isn't the gospel. Just so we all know, that's a false gospel. And, uh, and I realized that that teacher was not teaching what the Word of God really meant and what it represented. And I had to like unwind all of that theology from my theology and from my mindset because it wasn't right. And again, the problem was the reason I took it all in, the reason I was deceived in that was because I didn't expect it. I thought that every single person who stood on a, on a stage in a church spoke the truth. I just, I didn't expect that someone who had a degree from some Christian university could possibly have wrong theology. Or if they wrote a Christian book that they're an author, they know more than I do, so therefore everything they're saying must be theologically sound. And I've realized since then that that's not always the case. That's certainly not always the case. And, and I'm not sure why. 
I didn't expect it because it's all throughout Scripture that it's going to happen. And Scripture tells us to look out for it. Titus chapter 1 says, For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. It was happening in the New Testament. Second Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter says this, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Then 1 Timothy 1.3 says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. So all throughout Scripture, there are examples of false teachers and false prophets. And we need to be aware that they exist, especially today when you can take in your teaching and instruction and Bible training from someone clear across the world in another country, in another state, in another city, and you don't even know who they are. And we can take that in and add it to our theology. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. And then he says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. See, our enemy, the devil, wants to deceive us. But he's not going to send to us a Satan-worshipping witch doctor to, to deceive us. Because we would see this Satan-worshipping witch doctor and go, I'm not going to believe anything you have to say. right? We would reject them right away. So what he does is he takes this person who is being manipulated by the, the devil and he puts a nice sheep's clothing around them and has them come and teach things that sound sort of right. They sound sort of Christian, but yet they're deceptive and they're wrong and they're heresy. Um, you guys might have heard of Rob Bell. Anyone ever heard of Rob Bell, Pastor Rob Bell? Pastor Rob Bell uh, was, was teaching a lot of great things for a long time, and I believe he just kind of got off track because he was very famous and popular, and uh, he ended up writing a book called Love Wins, and it was, uh, it was heresy at the end of the day. Uh, his teachings were heresy. Um, and so we have to just know that this, is, uh, this could happen. Rob Bell was teaching that even that my God loves us so much that even if you die not knowing Jesus, he'll give you a second chance. And that's just heresy. There, there aren't second chances from what Scripture says. I mean, I would, be, I would love it if that's the truth. So that friends of mine who die without Christ would have a second chance, but that's not what the Scripture says. So I certainly can't. I can hope for it and I can wish for it, but I can't teach it because Scripture doesn't support that. And in fact, as you guys can imagine, that kind of teaching is going to have people go to hell because they're going to think, well, I get a second chance, so I'm not going to live for Jesus in this life. I'll maybe do it in the second one. And that's heresy. That's heresy. So even someone like Rob Bell, uh, who is pastoring a church in Grand Rapids, can be off on their theology. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, 
He said, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. The, two, the words many is used there twice. The word many. Many will come in his name and will deceive many. So we, this isn't like just this one crazy person in Kentucky that we're talking about, right? This is happening and will happen around us. And so we have to be expecting. We have to be expecting that there are going to be false prophets and false teachers looking like believers, looking like Christians, but not teaching the truth. So how do we know the difference? How do we know the difference between a good spiritual meal and a bad spiritual meal or a good spiritual chef and a bad spiritual chef? That brings me to point number two. Uh, we can avoid consuming poor spiritual meals by inspecting them. So we have to expect that they exist and then we have to do some inspection, all right, before we consume it. Inspecting the food and inspecting the chefs. Verse 16 says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So they can be recognized. Okay, they can be recognized. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So you know that it's not a grapevine because there's no grapes. You know that there's no figs. So, I mean, you know that it's thistles because there's no fruit. There's no figs. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So let me give you an example. So um, in our household, we used to go through gallons of milk every week, right? We used to. But now, you know, our household's pretty much empty and uh, we don't have to go, we don't go through as much milk. So the other day, I was making coffee for myself and I made like an espresso and I took all the time to make it and put the espresso mix in there. And I said, you know what? I want like a double espresso. You know, like you get twice as much coffee. So I took time, emptied it, cleaned it out, put some more, you know, coffee grounds. I think I had to grind them up again and put them in. And I had this like double espresso and I'm like, oh, this is really good. And I took some caramel and I put my caramel in there and I stirred it all up, you know, and then I grabbed my milk and I poured it in and I went clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> like these clumps went into my milk or into my coffee and they started floating to the top. And I'm like, oh, and I had to throw it all out and start all over again. So my, my fault with that was, first of all, I just didn't expect it, right? I didn't expect that the milk would be bad. But if I had expected it, I would have done what I did growing up. I would have taken the lid off and I would have smelled it. Because I don't know why, but growing up, we always had spoiled milk. I don't know why. I think the cows were different then, right? I mean, <laughs> their milk only lasted like three days or something. But now it can last a lot longer. But I would have smelled it and done the old smell test and said, oh, this doesn't smell good. But and then I wouldn't have poured it and ruined my coffee. Guys, we need to expect that it's going to be bad, but we need to inspect our spiritual food before we take it in. And we need to be inspecting our chefs before they present us this food. Um, when, when I was uh, first moved into this area, Dr. Lester Sumrall was still alive. You guys heard of Dr. Lester Sumrall? Um, he had Lassie Ministries, World Harvest Church, I think it was called in downtown South Bend. And he was doing like camp meetings. And they had um, Rob Parsley come into town. It was before I think he was Dr. Rob Parsley. It was just Rob Parsley. He was a new uh, TV evangelist. And, and when I was first listening to him, I really liked him. 
I don't know if I agree with his whole theology today, but at that time, I really liked what he was speaking and what he would say. Anyway, so he was coming in, and so I was sitting about right there, and Dr. Lester Summerall was sitting about right there and uh, in the auditorium, and Rob Parsley was up here preaching. And as he was preaching, every time he mentioned a scripture or referenced a scripture, I would see Dr. Lester Summerall take his Bible out, and he'd turn to it, and then he would have his finger go down to it, and then he'd read around it, and then he'd close it up. And every, you know, the next time he mentioned something, he'd go over and he'd find it and he'd go down and make sure. He was basically making sure that Rod Parsley was preaching correct scripture. This was before we were putting scriptures up on the, you know, on the PowerPoints and that kind of thing. And, and I learned something on that. I don't, I don't remember anything else about Dr. Lester Summerall except that he didn't just take what was being said to him at face value. He researched it himself. He looked at it. He looked it up. He wanted to make sure that what was being said aligned with Scripture or represented Scripture well. Well, we need to be doing that, guys. We need to be looking at what's being taught to us. We need to be inspecting it. Now, we'll tell you next week, we're going to be talking about we're not supposed to judge others, and we're not supposed to judge others, but we are supposed to inspect our spiritual meals, and it's okay to inspect our spiritual teachers as well, to look and see, is there fruit in their life? Is there fruit? Can I, can I listen uh, to them? Can I consume what they're giving to me? We can't just be spiritually naive and take everything in. We need to inspect it. We need to inspect it. 1 John 4, 1 says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And I would even add to that. Do not believe every teaching, every Bible teaching that we hear, but test it. Now, how do we do that? Now, here at Lighthouse, you, you'll see, I mean, we'll throw the scriptures up, you know, on the, on the big screen so that you see what we're reading and see where it's coming from. Um, but more than that, I mean, I would appreciate if you guys brought your Bibles and not just read what was on the screen. I, I would love it if you're taking a look at the context around it, you know, and just say, okay, who was Peter talking to? What was the context of him saying that there are going to be many false prophets? But that's how we inspect it. You know, we take a hard look. We compare it to Scripture. We might look at other Scriptures and compare it to that as well. Because any time that we hear something new, like I've never heard that, you know, from a, from a teaching, a biblical teaching standpoint, that should be just a little warning flag. Like, okay, this is like a new theology for me. I'm not going to just consume it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop for a moment. I'm going to take a look. I'm going to research it. I'm going to take a look at it and just see, is this sound theology? And, and I think many times we can just accept it, just eat everything that's presented to us. The other day I was um, doing some research for an upcoming message series that we're doing in the fall, which I'm really excited about. It's going to be good. I don't say that just because I'm preaching it. It's just going to be good. I'm going to enjoy studying it out and just participating in it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I was listening to some, 
this video from this um, social media influencer, and I'd never heard of him before. And so I'm like, well, I really like that teaching, but I don't know if he's theologically sound. And he talks about some controversial topics. So, so I started listening to his different uh, videos or watching his different videos just to say, do I agree with what he is sharing and what he is saying? And, uh, and I spent time doing that because I didn't want to just take this one piece and say, this is, here's a spiritual meal. I wanted to take a look. And, and thankfully, I think that this guy's pretty sound. Um, so you might get to see a short video from him this fall. But we need to test it, not just consume it. There's a recent article on CBN News that said that there was a, a new survey that reveals a shocking statistic about young Christians. More than 60% of born-again Christians between the ages of 18 to 39 believe that Jesus, Buddha, and Muhammad are all equal in regards to a path to salvation. 60% of what they would call born-again Christians believe an in-air theology that there is one God and multiple pathways. Because that's just heresy. I'll just say it for what it is. It's wrong theology. Uh, let me just correct that theology real quick. Uh, John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, there is no other way to heaven except through me. He, he didn't leave an exception out there and say, well, but you know, unless Buddha comes along or Muhammad or you find some other feel-good way to get to heaven. He made it very clear. There is no other way to heaven except through me. That's correct theology. But 60% of our young people in this recent study or this recent survey believe something differently. Now, I don't, I don't know where they got that theology other than this is going to be the great deception. I'm a firm believer of that. Uh, in the last time or the end times in the last days, there's going to be a teaching, a false religion, a false prophet that comes into the world and is going to deceive many, many, many people. And, and I believe that it is going to be this theology that there is a God because how can you argue that there wasn't a creator? I mean, there's at some point, the scientists are all going to come to the same conclusion that evolution is without God is wrong and that there was a creator, there was a grand design. And when that time comes, I believe they're going to say, but there are multiple pathways to get there. Christianity, Catholicism, you know, they, they're going to talk about Mary specifically as a way of salvation, Muhammad, Buddha, you know, good works, all these things. And I think that's going to be the grand acceptance religion. That's the false religion that will deceive many. So maybe, maybe these individuals are believing it because culture is preaching that, or maybe they're listening to inappropriate teachers, wrong teachers, wrong theologians who are teaching this and they're receiving it. But we have to inspect our theology. We have to inspect our spiritual meals before we just consume them. I believe there will be more and more false teachings, and they're going to sound good, but they're going to be wrong. 
They're not going to align with Jesus's words. They're not going to align with this book. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4 say, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. A time will come when there will be a great number of teachers teaching poor theology. Theology that doesn't align with Scripture, but maybe aligns with our culture. And we're starting to see it now, right? So I think there's going to be more of this. And we, as followers of Jesus, need to, we need to be screening what we take in. Because, now I will tell you, from, from a lighthouse perspective, we work really hard and we take very seriously that responsibility to teach good theology on a Sunday. Um, and I invite you, if you think that we are off theologically, to let me know. Whether it's me or one of the other teachers, let us know, okay? Because uh, we're not perfect up here by any means, but we're trying. And if we teach something that doesn't correspond with Scripture, then we need to fix that. So if you ever notice that being the case, let me know. Um, and we will try to correct that and fix that, okay? Um, but here's the question. How do we know who a good spiritual chef is, right? How do we know that? I think the first you know, question I would ask of, uh, of myself is when I'm evaluating someone is do they act like Christians? You know, do they seem like a good representative of Jesus Christ? And if they don't, we should be careful. You know, if they sound good on stage, but you hear about their life and it's a mess, the things that's going on outside of the stage, then you should be careful. Now, I'm not saying that every preacher and teacher needs to be perfect, because if that's the case, then I'm out. You know, I'm not going to be able to teach and preach. Um, but your spiritual chefs should have a life in general that aligns with Jesus Christ. And if they don't, you need to be very, very careful on consuming spiritual intake from them. Now, that's what makes it hard, though, right? When all, we have all these spiritual chefs all around the world. How do we know? It makes it really, really difficult, doesn't it? Uh, so I'll listen to interviews. You know, like there's a difference between somebody who's preaching and somebody who's having a conversation. You, have you noticed that? So I listened to an interview the other day on Francis Chan, and uh, I really like Francis Chan, by the way. Um, Francis Chan is like doing some crazy stuff. So like he's sold everything, left his church, went over to Korea or somewhere like that. And, um, and now I think he's going to be moving back. And I'm just like, what's going on with Francis Chan? So there was this honest like one-hour interview, and I'm listening to this interview, and I'm like, oh, that's why you're doing that. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I understand. Do you know what I mean? You actually can get to know somebody in an interview. So that would be a great way to get to know them. But there is um, a set of qualifications that Paul gives to Timothy for leadership in the church. And so when you're looking at someone maybe who is teaching you or instructing you or helping you uh, in your theology, look at this list. It says, now the overseer 
is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. I mean, that's a starting point. You know, take a look and just say, okay, do my spiritual teachers, the people I'm consuming spiritual content from, uh, do they do they fall in line with that? And if you're not sure or you, you, you know they don't, you might want to change chefs. And, and I'm not talking about just like at church on Sunday because um, hopefully you're, you're taking more spiritual meals than just once a week, right? There's so much, there's good books out there. Uh, there's good podcasts. There's good videos. I mean, my hope is that you're, you are consuming more out there than just what we have for these 30 minutes on Sunday. Um, but be careful who you're listening to, right? Just because it looks like a sheep <laughs> doesn't mean the person's a sheep. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish that we could trust everyone. I wish we could trust every used car salesman, right? The reality is we just can't. Sin is in the world, and it's been happening for thousands of years, so this isn't anything new. It's just more available than it's ever been. And so we need to not be naive. Uh, as innocent as doves, but as, what's the scripture? Clever, shrewd, as vipers. Yeah. We need to be shrewd. We need to be Assessing our spiritual meals. Here's your last fill-in. Our spiritual diet will determine our spiritual health. We've been talking about this through the series. What we take in is going to affect us spiritually. And so even when it comes to spiritual content, we need to be assessing it. We need to be screening it. We need to be discerning it. And if we have questions, ask somebody. You, you can always call me, email me, uh, text me, whatever. If you have questions about a new speaker or something that you've heard for the first time, you're not in this alone. We can do this together. And I think that we can discern our spiritual content together. So we can avoid consuming poor spiritual meals by poor spiritual chefs by, first of all, expecting that it exists and then inspecting them before we partake. I'm going to invite Lyndon. He's one of our leaders to come up and lead us in some prayer. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family and we will see you next time.